Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we focus on taking time in this life to make a difference in this world. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. When you're going after your dreams, make sure you take a break and enjoy life. My favorite way to do that is on my front porch with my wife, my friends, and my favorite infinity beverage. You can go to www.infinitybeverages.com and order online and they will deliver directly to your door. That's Infinity Beverages, proud sponsor of Jesus Never Ran and Dreamers Everywhere. Hello, fellow walkers. Great to be with you again. Hey, before we jump in, just a reminder, the best way to support both this podcast and your life is by joining The Walking Club. The Walking Club is a monthly video series where we talk about all sorts of ways that we can slow down our lives so we can truly do what we desire in this world. You can go to www.jesusneverran.com and sign up today. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, you may want to stop this one and go back and check it out because this is tagging on to that one. Now, I think this one will stand on on its own as well, but it may be a good idea to listen to last week before you get to this week. So last week, we talked about how hurry and how anxiety are really tied together. And we also talked about how anxiety is a very unique problem to our American culture. And we discussed how contradictory the ways that we're living that are creating these these spaces of anxiety in our world are to the life that Jesus lived and even to the life that God lays out to us going as far back to the Old Testament. This week is going to be a lot more nuts and bolts. We are going to dig in and get to some very specific ways where we can be countercultural and actually free ourselves up specifically in the area of time. The reality is, I believe most people have something deep in their heart that they're desiring to go after. But the biggest thing that's keeping us from going after things that can really make a difference in this world, bring the kingdom of God down to earth, the biggest thing is that we don't have enough time. And I think there's some real logical ways that we can get our time back. All right, I'm going to warn you, this may be about the most practical podcast you ever hear from me, but this one is really important because this is just the nuts and bolts. I hope it'll make you think. I hope it'll make you consider where you are in this world. So we live in this world that the average full-time worker is working, I guess, what would amount to 40 hours, some a few more, some a few less. And we're working all of these hours. Many times there's a household that has, you know, two adults, a husband and a wife or whatever the makeup may be. And both adults are actually working full-time jobs. But the reality is the income that is being generated in American households, apparently, at least perception-wise, is not enough to make it work. 
So there's a term that's come up, you know, I guess it's not that recently, but fairly recently called a side hustle where it's like, I'm not making enough money from my normal full-time job. So I'm going to do this side hustle that's going to help me make more money on top of my full-time job that I already have. So I'm, I'm going to ask that we consider, let's just do one hustle. Let's not have like a hustle, hustle and a side hustle. That's just way too much hustling. And that is not what we stand for. So let's get away from that mentality and let's really focus on what we can do in our American culture to get away from this hustle on any level. Now, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that gets in the way of what we're trying to accomplish in our life is, I already mentioned time, but on top of that, finances. The reason that our time seems to be getting away from us is often our finances. We're chasing after money every single week. Now, 78% of workers live paycheck to paycheck. That's from Forbes.com. 78%. That is incredible. And, and that percentage goes across all sorts of income levels, which even blows my mind even more. So 78% of workers are living to paycheck to paycheck. 69% have less than $1,000 in a savings account. So that type of living that so many of us in our culture do, that type of living creates anxiety like we talked about last week, but it also creates a ton of pressure because you constantly have to keep on top of making whatever money you're making because if you fall back even for one week, you're going to be sunk because number one, you're living to paycheck to paycheck. So you need that next paycheck to cover your bills. Number two, you don't have savings. So if something happens, it'd be really tricky to make up that difference. And you really could get yourself in a big hole if you're not careful. So we have all of this financial stress. Now, if you look at the numbers talking about financial stress, the vast majority of it comes from debt. We have so much financial stress that is linked to our debt. And without being obvious, <laughs> the reality is our biggest debt tends to be our mortgage payment. So let me challenge you right from the get-go here. Let me challenge you in your mortgage payment and in how you're living, specifically what you're living in. The average mortgage payment in America is $1,492. The average home price in America is $200,000. The average home size in America is 2,600 square feet. Two of those numbers, specifically the mortgage payment and the average home size, have nearly doubled since 1960. The average family size is currently 3.14, 1960 is 3.29. And so each person in the average American house gets 828 square feet all to themselves, <laughs> all to themselves. That's like the size of four average yachts. So if you go out and buy yourself a nice average size yacht, you might as well get four of them to give the amount of space that one person in your household gets. So that's just the reality of what we live in. But in America, it's always bigger is better, more is better. So we're always thinking that we need more. I've talked about this before in the podcast, but it wasn't that long ago when the thing everybody wanted was a big front porch. Now the thing everybody wants when they build a house is a master suite and a beautiful master bathroom. And it's this concept that, you know, we're going so much more internal. We're living more inside of our houses instead of outside of our houses. And I know when I say that, that might sound a little weird, but we weren't just meant to hibernate inside of our houses. 
And I'm going to go so far as to say I'm not so sure that every single member of my household needs 828 square feet. And if they could live in it, you know, in the 1960s, I think we can live in it today. And so the biggest stress that's on the vast majority of Americans is their mortgage. And we're living underneath a bit of a cultural lie, not a bit of a cultural lie, an absolute cultural lie that says that you need a bigger house. You have to keep up with what everybody else is doing. But let me challenge you and say you could knock your mortgage payment almost in half if you downsized your house. If you went from that $200,000 house to like $140,000, $150,000 house, I mean, you could knock down that mortgage so far. And imagine what you could do if you just had more money. The other thing is as you knock down that mortgage, it's possible that you're gonna pay it off altogether way sooner. This idea, this American idea that the big house is the way to go is crazy. And not only is it causing you a huge mortgage payment, it's also causing you high energy bills. Everything about your house is costing you more simply because it's bigger. So I'm not telling you what to do, but I do want to challenge you. If you want to free up some more time and money in your life, I would argue that the very first place that you should look is inside your house here's our story so Susie and I are the first house that we had was really small it was just the two of us and then when we had our first daughter we lived in a two-bedroom little story and a half house and then we bought into that idea hey we have careers now we have a kid now another kid's coming we need a bigger better more American house right and so we built a house we built a house that ended up being over 3,000 square feet and what we discovered several years into that we had a discussion about a decade in we said hey there's so much of this house that we're not even using we are cleaning portions of this home that we haven't used since the last time we cleaned it and that is crazy and so then what we did is we downsized. We actually moved into a duplex for a short time. And then we bought a little house uh, in, in downtown of the city that we live, all within the concept that, hey, we're going we're gonna to build a smaller house. So now we live in a house that's about 1,800 square feet. And here's the thing. Guess what conversations we're having? Hey, we are cleaning space that we rarely use. Hey, what do we do with that room that we don't hardly ever use? There's still space in this house and we have a family of four. So we're above average. <laughs> so we are, are living in a space and we're not using it as completely as we could. And we sit here in our house that's much smaller than the average American house. And the conversation that we're literally in the midst of right now is I think that we could go smaller. I think we could do better than we're doing right now and still be completely comfortable. So my challenge for you in this area is, is that an area where maybe you could free up a ton of time and a ton of money? And if you did, what could you do with it? I don't want to lose my balance when I'm staring at stars. I just want to live the world better than we are. I just want to see beauty when I look at these scars. Above all else, I don't wanna lose her. We were scared of getting older. Each day, our hearts grow a little bit colder. 
I think it would have been really smart if I would have gotten a real estate agent to sponsor this podcast since all of you, I'm sure, have just put the uh, for sale sign in your yard after that first little snippet. Hey, other areas that you can really focus on freeing up some finances, uh, just get rid of things you don't use. I mean, how many times a year do you use that camper or that snowmobile or that boat? I mean, you get the picture, right? Like just consider what you have, look around in your house. What are things that you own that you paid money for that you could sell and either get money or you could sell and get rid of that debt payment that you're focusing on? So it's a really good idea to just go around your entire house and just see what do I I have and what do I not need so again you probably don't need me to tell you that you can figure that out on your own now as soon as you get your expenses lowered which I think is very practical and very easy for anybody to do the next question that needs to be asked is how can I work less can I get an amen out there how can I work less now we all grew up in a society where the 40-hour work week was the standard But now it is not uncommon at all to go get a full-time job and on the job description, description it says 40 plus or it says 45 plus or worst case scenario, it says salaried, which just means whatever you need to get it done. And that never means, hey, if you work 20 hours and get it done, that's cool. No, it always means like you're going to work more than 40 hours almost every single time. In 1930, there's a futurist. His name was John Maynard Keynes, and he predicted that due to technology, the average work week would end up being 15 hours. How many of you listening to this podcast are working 15 hours a week? <laughs> like none of us, right? We're all working more than that. But his thought process, even though the reality didn't pan out, his thought process makes sense to me. As technology advances, as we work smarter, we should hypothetically be able to work less and make more money. But that has not, that has not even come close to being a reality to the vast majority of people in our world. Quite the opposite is true. Not only are we not working less, as a whole, Americans are working a lot more. But what if we made it our goal to actually reach the 15-hour work week. Wouldn't that be exceptional? Now, I'm around a lot of people who will use this phrase. They'll say, if you work in your passion, you'll never have to work a day in your life. And what they mean is if you love what you do, you won't really feel like you're working. And what I want to tell you is that that's a bunch of crap. (laughs) Usually what happens is if you're passionate about what you do, you work way too much and you don't know how to slow down you don't know how to stop and you don't know how to live with balance that's what i see so i don't necessarily buy into it so what if it was our goal to actually work a 15-hour work week i mean that's crazy right but what if that was our goal two crucial pieces that you'd have to really nail down number two number one like we already talked about you have to lower your expenses think about your mortgage think about all of your expenses you got to get them low so you can be streamlined number two Obviously, you have to increase your wage. Well, how am I going to do that? You're thinking, I just have this job that I have. I have this skill set I have. It only pays me so much money. And I call BS on that as well. Here's four things that you need to do to increase your wage. Number one, believe that you have great worth. God put you on this earth. He has a purpose for you. He has given you incredible gifts, whether you realize it or not. You have some really unique talents and gifts inside of you that this world needs. If you can manage to believe that, then those things can start to move into this world and nobody else is going to believe it 
until you believe it. Nobody's going to believe in you until you believe in you. Number two, believe that there's a better way. We live in a culture that tells us there's a real specific way to do things. You go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get a degree, and then you get a job, and then you retire, and then you die. <laughs> and that sounds lame to me. So just believe that there's a better way. Believe that maybe there's more to this. A lot of the great entrepreneurs in our world right now, if you hear their stories, they did not follow that typical track. Usually it was, I was doing whatever. I was growing up. I was getting in trouble or maybe I went to school and suddenly I had this idea. So I dropped everything and I didn't listen to the advice that people were trying to tell me and I made it and here I am. And so it's usually a much messier but much more exciting story. So believe that there is a better way than what you're currently in. Number three, discover what that is that you're great at. You know, one thing is believing that you have something great. Number two, the other thing is just discovering what that is. There's a great um, there's a great episode of The Walking Club that ties into that. So join The Walking Club, go back a little ways. It's the second one I think I ever did. And it talks all about discovering your purpose, discovering what you're great at. And as soon as you discover that, you're really discovering what you have to offer this world and you're discovering what you have that could really help you get ahead as far as increasing your wage. Because number four is get out of any job with a low ceiling or with demands of 40 plus hour work week. Get out of anything that has a low ceiling. So if you really wanna to get to this 15 hour work week, well, if you live in a job, if you're working a job where your ceiling is making $18 an hour, good luck living off of that. You've gotta raise that ceiling. My brother-in-law, he quit his teaching job and became a real estate agent because, not because he didn't love teaching, he absolutely loved teaching but because he wasn't willing to submit to the fact that he could only make X amount of dollars. In his first year as a real estate agent, he almost doubled his teacher salary just because he decided to get out of a job with a low ceiling. The other thing is if your job demands more than 40 hours, how do you ever expect to get to the 15 hour work week? I mean, you are gonna be working yourself to the bone, you're never gonna have any extra time, and then you know, what good are you truly going to be to this world? So I know these are big challenges. I'm pretty sure in like the first 18 minutes of this podcast, I've told you to sell your house and reconsider everything you think about your job. But you know, if you wanna live a different way, you gotta live a different way. Now, if you've managed to not turn off this podcast yet, man, you need to be commended. But the reality is most people are going to hear this and they're not going to take it seriously. They're going to think I'm joking or I am crazy. But I'm telling you, I have walked this journey. I have done everything that I've talked about and I'm still in the process of continuing to do more and more of it. And I know, I know that there is freedom on the other side for anybody who goes for this. I mean, imagine what you could do if you had extra time simply because you weren't trying to pay for that expensive mortgage or if you weren't trying to pay off all of those expensive toys that you really don't use. I mean, imagine what you could do if you truly lived a 15-hour work week. Imagine the time that you would have to serve those around you. This isn't to help you get rich and it isn't just to help you have time for the sake of time. It's because we're trying to reflect the life that Jesus lived in our own lives. We see Jesus living a life 
where he walks around. We talk, I mean, again, listen to last week's podcast. I, I describe this really, really in detail of how Jesus did this. And he did it without anxiety and so in, without hurry. And so Jesus is walking around meeting needs as he goes. And that is something that in our current pace of our American culture is absolutely impossible to do. So if you buy in to what we're doing in our culture currently, you cannot, I repeat, you cannot live a life that Jesus lived. You cannot live anything like it. It is impossible to work a 40 plus hour work week to try to live paycheck to paycheck to have, you know, every single moment of your life wrapped up into something and always be stressed out and expect to live a life that Jesus did where he was helping people around him. If you want to live that life where you run into a situation where you see you could be of help, you could be of service, and you have something to offer, the only way you're going to be able to offer it is if you have the time and the space and maybe even the finances in your life to be able to offer whatever is needed in that situation. I have an old friend of mine who was uh, involved in church work, and he was once on his way to church to share a sermon about the Good Samaritan. He was running late on his way to church to share a story about the Good Samaritan, and he runs into a homeless person who really needed some help and who wanted to talk to him and who needed um, you know, some money and things like that. And he found himself in such a challenging position because he said, I didn't have time to stop and help this man, yet I was going to church to preach a sermon on the Good Samaritan. That sums up like all of our lives in a nutshell, right? I think our hearts are right. I think we want to do what Jesus would would do. I think we want to do what Jesus would call us to do or even just deep inside what we feel is the right thing to do. All of us want to do that. But the reality of, of it is we're all running somewhere. We're all going somewhere. Or we're all constantly just bombarded by so many pressures that the reality, number one, number one, the reality is we usually don't even see that need. We usually are so focused on something else that we pass right by it and we don't even see it. And Jesus would never miss a need. But number two, even if we do see it, usually the first thing that goes into my, our mind is, do I have the time to help? Do I have the money to help? Do I even want to help? Whatever comes to your mind, but we need to clear some of that out because if Jesus brings a need in front of you, if God brings a need in front of you, I mean, I think it's our responsibility to take that up. I think it's our responsibility to meet that need, whatever it is. And I'm speaking as much to myself as anybody else because I know that I've missed people in front of me. I know I've missed opportunities in front of me and I know I'm going to do it again, but it's our responsibility to try to live a life that is conducive to not missing it. And yes, we may have missed it in the past, but how do we not miss it in the future? Now, the reality is this is a process. This is something that is going to take time. (laughs) Getting more time is going to take time. So allow yourself some grace, allow yourself some mercy and be ready for a journey. It's not about the destination. It's about our, our journey to get to that destination. So if our heart is right, if we're shooting for that low debt level, if we're shooting for that that idea of working less so that we can be more available, the idea is that let's enjoy the process of getting to that place that we hope to be. I've been staying strong on my feet, keeping my heels below my knees, but I can't help feeling weak. Every day I wake up, it's harder to breathe, and we've been on the same grid, but you feel so distant. Is the distance that's killing my vision? I can't see a way, making it through this. So, 
Man, I am just hoping and praying that there is like a revolution on the cusp. I just get so frustrated when I look at our society and where we're going, where we've been. And I just think if we keep going, we're going to run into all sorts of, of trouble. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I'm just hoping that there's other people that have this thing deep in them like I do. This, this feeling like this is not working. This is not right. But then we don't. We don't have this need to feel like, you know, we have to pick it or we have to be crazy or we have to start a, a like a, a violent revolution. We just start at the smallest of spaces, just like Jesus did. And the smallest of spaces is giving people our attention. Giving people our attention is the beginning of love. And that's where we need to start. So we don't need to worry about, you know, changing up the entire political you know, state of our country. We don't need to change our entire education system or whatever that thing is that, that you might be frustrated at. Let's not start by trying to create all this upheaval. Let's start by giving people the care that they deserve as human beings and giving people the care that Jesus would give them. Let's start there and believe that enough of that over a long enough period of time will change everything. But in order to do that, sometimes we have to do crazy radical things that seem countercultural. Sometimes we have to sell our houses. Sometimes we have to figure out ways to get out of debt. Sometimes we have to work less. But wait a second, as I say these things, don't they sound freeing? Doesn't it sound freeing to write a smaller number on that mortgage check? Doesn't it sound freeing to not go to work for eight to 10 hours every single day? Why shouldn't that be the goal? Because we're not doing it just for ourselves. We're doing it to make ourselves available to those around us. We're doing it to live the life that Jesus shows us. We can't expect to live like Jesus lived unless we change the way that we're engaging with our culture. I think we all get lost from time to time. Not completely sure how to move forward. Wrapped up in the fear of losing everything And having nothing to show for our time on this earth Like did we live? Were we more than drawn breath? Taken from the depths Were we present for each step or were we elsewhere? Were we too lost in our own minds To witness our own lies And to take note of the open skies Or did we just wake to die? Each day we are reminded of the role our faith plays in our lives But does it play a role in our finances as well? Now for the members of Thrivent Financial, it does for over a century, Thrivent has been helping Christians blend faith, finances, and generosity because it's not just about making more, it's about doing more for your family, your church, and community. Learn more about Thrivent's unique mission by calling Kathy Jensen, Thrivent Financial Representative at 715-231. 1662. Disclosures. Licensed agent, producer of Thrivent Financials. Marketing name for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. Registered representative of Thrivent Investment Management Incorporated. Thrivent.com slash disclosures. Be still, let the silence break us. Drink deeply from life, don't be afraid of. Don't let these days drift away now. Grasp from the dust before they fade ya. Be still, let the silence break us. Don't fear, let love change us. How many of us work had a 
job we hate? How many of us wish that we had more time to create? How many would rather be awake than forced to sedate ourselves? Because we fear if we don't, we'll suffocate from the pain and the ache that lets us know that we've betrayed ourselves and our creation by the way we can